So um, I think the first thing, I just need y'all to pray for Chris because this is not his weekend. It's Dub's weekend. You know how much Chris likes this area. <laughs> it's all about Chris. Not really. It is. <laughs> oh, just kidding. I'm trying to think of things to say. You guys can sit down. <laughs> just kidding. You ready? Not that I messed it up. <laughs> Not that I broke the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Hold on, man. So if you don't know, Raquel has a very, very good sense of humor. And uh, if you don't believe me, go look at the last couple of YouTube that we put up. Uh, matter of fact, we were gone this weekend, and I heard that people were like, oh, man, Raquel's not here to do the announcements and the switch. Man. So anyway, it's good stuff, what's going on. Uh, tonight is uh, beginning of something great for us. Amen. We get our good friend, uh, Dub Alexander, who a lot of y'all know. I see a lot of uh, SOKP peeps in here. And uh, well, I thought we'd get a little more than that. I mean, yeah. Um, man, uh, I'm really excited for what's going to happen. I know we've been talking about it. Um, we're going to start to do a little better job of promoting and so that we get more word out there of what's going on and, and what's happening. And no, we are. It's, it's okay. It's okay. Like I said all along, that's a horror baby. You hear that volume? Ryan would be proud, <laughs> right? Yeah. But, um, um, yeah, we had a few mishaps, but that's okay. She's been telling, she gets up here and she tells everybody that Chris says, I'm supposed to say his name, Chris, 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 because it's all about Chris. She's been pulling those jokes on me. But anyway, um, there's a whole bunch of stuff that we've got going on and coming up, but, um, you know, that, that stuff will be on, you know, Facebook and Instagram and, uh, they'll play some reels and stuff through here so you can see what's going on. Um, anybody in here come tonight to get your mind blown away? Yeah. Okay. Because that's what's going to happen. So anyway, uh, man, thank you, Adriana. Thank y'all. We, uh, we didn't break no strings tonight. That's cool. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so if you don't know, um, Dub Alexander is uh, just a good, great friend of ours. Um, and uh, we, uh, we, had, we came together through the great nation of Texas uh, at, in California. You remember that? Yeah, it was all, all Texans standing in that circle. And it was awesome. We've all stayed friends, you know. Um, but uh, I wanted to try to just jump in right tonight because he does have to leave at a certain time tonight. So we want to give him as much freedom and, and all that. The rest of the weekend, it's no holes barred. Uh, like you may be here all night. You don't, I don't know. But um, so uh, you want to explain tomorrow or? No, you got that. Oh, my God. So tomorrow... Tomorrow we're actually going to do, uh, Dub's going to do some prophetic training along with some activations. Uh, and so we'll start at five and it'll be 50 minutes for the first session. Five, zero, not 15. I'm still dry a little bit. So, uh, and then we'll have a, a little 10 minute break with some snacks and stuff back there uh, in the living room. And, um, and then we're going to have a giveaway of a couple of things. 
Um, how many of you in here have had an identity statement or an um, um, election session with Doug? Raise your hand. How many of you have your mind blown with that and it still changes your life today, right? Ours was a year and a half ago, I think, or something like that. And it, and it still blows my mind every day. If you don't know what that is, we'll give you an example of that maybe tomorrow. We're actually going to give one of those sessions away uh, with Dub. Uh, so um, you'll get some more information about that. But uh, we'll, we'll have a break, a giveaway, and then we'll come back for another 50 minutes. There's going to be some activations, and we're really excited about that. What we really want to promote this weekend is the School of Kingdom Prophets. If you hear us say SOKP, uh, that's what we're talking about. That is Dub's uh, school, uh, School of Prophetic Ministry, and it's unlike anything. You know, a lot of us have done a lot of things, and uh, it, it's just it's just way on another level. It's a higher caliber, and we're changed our life. So oh. we, we were um, sitting at dinner and just talking to Dub and telling him about you know when we're doing class online. Some of the stuff that he's teaching, like, we just have to reevaluate our lives. Like, what the heck have we been doing all this time? Like, what Bible are we reading? Just the King James Version or something? I don't know. But it's, it's really good. So just have an open mind. Holy Spirit will lead you. This is great. This is good. We're fine. Everybody's fine. Yeah. Amen. And that's, that's just the truth. So uh, we'll give more information about that. I didn't realize the time, and, and we had a, another little plan and all that. But uh, so, um, man, would y'all just help me? And just I just want to pray and bless. Uh, Sister Angela says the word is already blessed. I don't need to bless it. But I want to bless the ears. Yeah, is that good? Yeah? All right. So, man, Father, we just thank you tonight. And right here, we just speak freedom, liberty, and understanding in this room. We declare it tonight that we're already full of spiritual blessing. We have every spiritual blessing, but tonight we pray for the understanding, our, our eyes of, to be enlightened tonight by what Dub is going to share. Uh, so we pray for that word that comes out, and we pray for it as it goes in. And Lord, we just ask you, man, just shake us up tonight, Lord. Every person in here, uh, if you're watching on YouTube or you're listening to the podcast, man, just be uh, shook to your core tonight. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, my brother, if you'll come on up. Give him a hand clap, will you? We'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll get some more info and stuff out. I just really want to turn him loose as quick as I, excuse me, as quick as I can. So here you go, bro. Awesome. Thanks, brother. Love you, man. Love you too, bro. Appreciate you guys. I've been looking forward to uh, hanging out with y'all for uh, several weeks ever since I got the invitation. And so, uh, man, super value and appreciate um, the friendship with Pastor Chris, Pastor Raquel, and uh, just like how we're all building together. I know you guys have had uh, two of my best friends, Matt Gonzalez and uh, Craig Ferris, out recently, and we run together. Uh, as soon as I heard they had been here, I called. I was like, hey, if you need someone to come clean up the heresy, I'll, <laughs> I'm your man. And... Uh, <laughs> So just kind of running all in the same circles and building kingdom together. Uh, that's, you know, the same circle that blessed you guys with the Haars. How many of you guys love having the Haars down here in Texas? Yeah, come on. Got a I'm sponsored by Fiji. Where's the camera? That's not true. I'm speaking things that are not as if they were. Fiji. Okay. But uh, so uh, uh, this room is filled with some of my very favorite people. Uh, because every Tuesday night we get together in uh, SOKP and hang out. 
and uh, just have the best conversations around just building an understanding uh, around the goodness of God and the call that is on everybody's life, which is to advance the kingdom. And so um, whenever I teach, I teach everything within the context of the kingdom. You'll never find a message that I preach that's not tied into how does this subject relate to the kingdom. And the reason that I do that is because Jesus said to seek the kingdom first. And how many of you know that Jesus probably knew what he was talking about? Right. And so if he says, I want this subject to be of premier importance to you. Have you ever thought it was odd that Jesus didn't say, I want you to seek me first or I want you to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit first? Whoa, that's kind of weird. He said, I want you to seek the kingdom first. Why is that? It's because the kingdom is the first thing that man lost. And God's all about restoring things back to the original intent. Because in Genesis, you will find over and over again that God would create something, and then he would say, and it was? Oh, so how many of you know that it's not like he created at like a five or a six, and he like held out with some upgrades till later, right? <laughs> like he, he was like, hey, this is a good idea, which when God has a good idea, it's a God idea, right? And he manifested it, and he was like, hey, that's pretty good right? Amongst himself. He's like, hey, elbowing Jesus. You see that? Jesus like, you did that through me. Was, All right, Roger, come on, man. I'm encouraged by that right now. All right, so they were in harmony creating all the things, and they said all the things are good, and when they got done completely, they said this is very good. And so that's why when you read the end of the story, when you read the back of the book, it all goes back to the beginning, New heaven, new earth. God comes down out of heaven to dwell with man in this new upgraded physical reality, right? We've got a lot of bad, uh, bad understanding or mindset around, I can't wait till I die and go to heaven and escape this physical reality that's such a pain, and we don't realize that we were made for this dimension. That's why you end back up here. In the end, God kicks you out of heaven. New heaven, new earth, because you weren't made for heaven. If you were made for heaven, your name would be Angel, but it's not, <laughs> unless there's an angel in here. And <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So uh, just real quick, so I know how much foundation to lay, how many of you have never heard me before? Okay. Uh, hashtag who's dub. <laughs> hey, calm down. It wasn't that funny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hashtag all about Chris, all right? So, uh, <laughs> hilarious. Uh, my most foundational and really trademark teaching I've made available uh, for free to everybody, if you download the School of Kingdom app, which the creator of Josh Arnold's right there, uh, you can get the, the foundation of everything that I teach in a free app-held course. Let's go with that. Why not? <laughs> Course held in an app for free, School of Kingdom. Um, and there's like three hours of hashtag heavy revy in there. Uh, so you guys grab that. It'll be great. Uh, but whenever I'm teaching, you know, if you want to understand the kingdom, which is what you were made for, okay? That was the reason. The reason for your existence is to experience the love of God, to love him back, and to live forever in a reciprocal love relationship. But the purpose for which your existence is to have dominion. All right? Everybody say dominion. 
Come on, you were made for dominion. You were made to dominate. And some of y'all are like, I, I've known this for a long time. And some of y'all are like, really? <laughs> it's true for everybody. You know, everybody, how, do you, how many of you know that you can't have dominion over something without having influence over something? So that means that every single one of you is an influencer, whether you've ever known that before or not. You were created to be an influencer, right? In our American culture specifically, we have this pedestal of, oh, that's a, that's a YouTube influencer. That's a TikTok influencer. That's a tech influencer, right? And they're like kind of celebrities, right? But the truth is every single one of you was made for influence over something. You were made to express dominion within the context of a good, loving father. So the kingdom is familial in nature, meaning we're a royal family who is meant to rule and reign. It's governmental in structure. All right. So if you can just get clarity on your origin, on your identity, on your purpose and your destiny, then you will experience a fulfilled life. But these four questions are paramount. Where did you come from? What is your origin? What is your identity? Who are you? Hashtag who are you? See, I flipped it on you. All right. Purpose. What do you bring to the table? Destiny. What table is waiting for you to show up? Right. If you can have clarity on that origin, I came from the heart of a good, kind, loving, heavenly father. He actually chose me in him before the foundations of the world. Okay. So you existed before this physical dimension existed. All right. You were found in him, in, in his heart. He planted himself, and out came you. All right. I'm fine. It's fine. I'm fine. All right. So where, where did you come from? You came from him. What is your identity? You are a much beloved son and daughter. You are a royal king or queen here on this earth. All right. What is your purpose? Your purpose is to advance the kingdom, to manifest, to express, to model dominion in a healthy, loving way which looks like service. Dominion actually looks like serving better than anybody else. Because sometimes I'll get messages, right, from the hashtag heresy hunters. That's a show on A&E. 8 p.m. Central, heresy hunters. Yeah. That joke was for three people. It's cool. All right. <laughs> Some of y'all were like, I, I watch A&E a lot. Never seen that. <laughs> okay. So sometimes I'll get messages, oh, you're one of those dominionists. I'm like, uh, yeah, have you read Genesis 126? <laughs> let us create man in our image and likeness and let them have dominion. It was God's idea, not mine. But we oftentimes will think of dominion in a twisted way as someone having control and manipulative power over somebody rather than being equipped to serve you better than anybody else. Right? Would you rather be served by a butler or a king? king because a butler can only serve you with what he ha what you have a king shows up with his own or her own influence authority wealth resources connections and then they choose to leverage that on your behalf and your life changes so every single one of you is a king or a queen walking this earth and you're made for influence to express dominion and all of those things are for you but none of them are about you okay because you are made to be the vehicle through which all the nations on the earth experience the goodness of God. And then your destiny. What, what, what do you bring to the table? 
And then what table are you called to show up at? God has put your face in the future, and he's waiting for you to catch up with it. Where do we see that in Scripture? We see that in Scripture when Saul is on the road to Damascus. He's struck blind. He's laid up in a house on Straight Street. God comes to Ananias and says, Ananias, there's a man named, named Paul. He's in a house on Straight Street. I have shown him your face. Oh, God put Ananias' face in the future. Go to him. And when, Saul, when Ananias goes before Saul, his face, as soon as his, his physical face catches up with where God put his face in the future, it does what? Unlocks something for Paul. So God has put your face in the future. And when you show up where he has put your face in the future, okay, it's going to unlock things for other people. Everybody able to see that now? I saw, it was like a funhouse mirror. <laughs> Roger, you're so encouraging, bro. Can you go on the road and just laugh at my jokes? That'd be amazing. That's actually my love language, right? I have the sixth love language, which is people laughing at my jokes. <laughs> if that doesn't happen, I'm very unfulfilled. So, uh, all right. So, origin, identity, purpose, destiny. If you get clarity on those four things, one, you're going to change the world, and two, you are going to experience fulfillment because you will be living in a state of convergence. There are moments in your life that stand out as positive, significant, emotional events that were life-changing, and the reason that it happened is that there is this there is this thing that is made for you, this path, this life path that is custom-made for you. And most of us, because we don't have clarity, we cross that path here and there. And whenever you do, that moment in time stands out to you as the best moments of your life. And it's because you hit a point of convergence where you, you unintentionally aligned with everything that you were made for. But it's possible to get the amount of clarity that you live a full life in a state of convergence. You live a full life knowing fully who you are, knowing where you came from, knowing what you bring to the table and what tables you're supposed to be showing up at. And that is a fulfilling life. All right. So within that context, all right, there is this natural progression in the kingdom that every individual is going to go through. And it starts with being an orphan, sadly, because <laughs> in the fall, what happened the man and the woman's perception of father fell. Father did not change. Father did not fall. Okay? Man fell. How did man fall? His perception of the goodness of God fell. Okay? The enemy convinced him of a lie, and instead of aligning with the truth that, man, in the cool of the day, a good, kind, loving, heavenly father comes down dimensionally from heaven and walks with us, it turned into, I've got to go and hide because an angry dad is coming to punish me. And so since that time, mankind has procreated and existed with an initial perception of God being an angry, angry father, a punisher, if you will. All right. So even when you are saved or born again, what happens? The truth is you have stepped into sonship or daughterhood, okay? But you probably still have some orphan mentality 
orphan heart stuff going on, right, that has to be renewed, right, the renewing of your mind, stepping into the understanding of the goodness of God, right? It's really just encounters with the goodness of God is the the number one thing that will change your perception from an orphan to a son or a daughter, all right? So that's the first step, from orphan to son, from orphan to daughter, all right? So I call this orphan son, king father. Obviously, it's orphan daughter, queen mother as well, right? But if I have to be the hairy-legged bride of Christ, you ladies can be sons and kings, fathers, just for tonight, all right? (laughs) All right. So now being a son of God is more than enough for me for forever. I don't need anything else. But the world is dying for me to show up as a king. Did you catch that? It was more than enough for Jesus to be the word for forever in heaven, but we were dying for a savior. And so he became not only just the word, but he became the Messiah. Okay? The king of kings. Oh. But it was an act of service because we desperately needed it. All right? So every one of you should be making the move from son or daughter to king and queen. And of course, the ultimate goal is to become a father or a mother in the kingdom. Because a father and a mother knows how to reach down, grab an orphan, pull him into sonship. Grab a daughter, pull her into queenhood, right? Grab a king, pull him into fatherhood. That's the ultimate goal. You were made in the image of God, the Trinity, which includes father, right? So you should manifest his nature fully by the end, all right? But tonight, what I really want to focus on is the journey or the process from sonship to kingship, all right? Because if it's not practical, then what good is it? All right? Like if I get up and run my mouth for a long time and say a lot of things, but it's all ethereal, and you, you leave this place like, well, I went and heard this guy speak, and he said I was supposed to be a king, but I don't know what that means. Then what are we doing, right? And so I want to bring clarity on what it means to transition through the process of, of being a son into becoming a king. And this is a teaching that I call from the field to the throne. All right. And we're going to be following the process of Saul. I'm going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 9 to start off with. If you have a digital edition, it'll be in the New Living Translation. And we're going to follow the process of Saul moving from a son into the position of being the first king. And Saul gets a lot of uh, flack in scripture and in teaching. But he started off as a really good king. He had a good heart. He rescued his people. He did a lot of good things. And then his character couldn't keep up with his uh, gifting. And, uh, but uh, I, I really love how Saul started. So we're going to start in this process. And you have to understand that there are some things that are sovereign, but not many. <laughs> It always gets awkward when I say that. (laughs) There are a few things in this world that are sovereign, but not very many. What do I mean by that? I'm about to tell you. Uh, One of the things that is sovereign is what I mentioned before, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Just as he, Father, chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blame-free before him, all right? So that is a sovereign move or act of God. He chose you. There's nothing you can do about that, and you had nothing to do with that. 
He just sovereignly chose to do that. Another sovereign piece would be found in Acts 17, beginning in, uh, let's go with 26. And he made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their living. So that means not only did God choose you in him before the foundations of the world, but he, often, he also sovereignly chose exactly when and where you would appear in this dimension. But after that, most of his sovereignty, he has chosen sovereignly to limit. How many of you know in the original, how many of you know if you look around the world today, and if God was choosing to interact with us in a fully sovereign way, that would make him look really bad? Because we have a lot of issues, and he is not the source of those issues. We are, right? He is the solution to all of the issues. But in the original intent, let us make man in our image and likeness and let them, mankind, have dominion. In that moment, God chose to sovereignly limit, sovereignly limit his sovereign power and hand over power to mankind. That's what free will is about. You realize he cannot be fully sovereign and you have free will at the same time. Those two things can't exist, right? How many of you know that God often chooses to limit himself for our sake? Did you know Scripture says that he has chosen to remember your sins no more? But I thought God was all-knowing. He has the ability to be all-knowing, but he's chosen sovereignly to not be all-knowing. Because he's actually unaware of your sin. Because he chose to forget it. That's pretty awesome, right? Because as soon as you realize, oh, my good, kind, loving, heavenly Father is unaware of my sin. He's chosen to forgive and forget it. All of a sudden, there is no hold for shame and guilt and condemnation in your life. You can come boldly before the throne of grace. Because he's not keeping track of that. He's keeping track of what? Your origin, your identity, your purpose, and your destiny. And he always speaks to you from that place. God actually always interacts with you from the finished version of you that you are becoming. One, because that's his favorite version of you. And two, because that's the original version of you that was in him before the foundations of the world. And so you have the right to begin to interact with yourself from that place. In fact, if you are choosing not to see yourself the way God sees you, not to think about yourself the way God thinks about you, and not to speak to yourself the way God speaks about you, you're missing out. And you're limiting the manifestation of the fullness of your potential. All right? So God is sovereign, and he has chosen sovereignly to limit himself. <laughs> is that making sense? You guys with me? I haven't even started my message yet. But uh, it's, it's fine. We're fine. <laughs> All right. I, I do need to get a clock on here. I'm meeting with a bunch of Australians at 11 via Zoom. <laughs> that would be weird, right? <laughs> There's a bunch of late-night Australians in Houston <laughs> just hanging out. <laughs> no, you got to work around global time frames. All right. Um, so, what are some things that God has sovereignly done? Well, that would include he authored you. Jesus is the capital W word, right? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. 1 John four seventeen is he, Jesus is, so are you here in this world. Jesus is the living word, that means you're a living word, all right? He authored you, he scribed you, he penned you. All right. He authored you. He anointed you. He sent you here as a solution to an issue. 
You are an answer to a problem in the world, every single one of you. Come on. You have been authored. You have been anointed. And you have been appointed. He has put your face on, in the future on a throne with a crown. Because it's his will for you to become a king, for you to become a queen. Authored, anointed, appointed. Okay? Those are things that you had nothing to do with. He just chose to do that because he's a good dad. All right? All right, now sovereignly from that place, this all has to do with sonship. Okay, you're meant to go from the field to the throne, from sonship to kingship. But God is not the one who manifests the fulfillment of you stepping into the fullness of that position. Man is. You are not in the position of your kingship until man accepts that you are. In other words, they're able to receive from you as a king. They approve of your kingship. Whoa, you are an answer. You are a solution. And they authorize you to be the solution in their life. That should be the goal. Dub, how do I know when I have stepped into my kingship? Oh, when, man, when you are not rejected, but you are accepted by man, when man approves of what and man authorizes you to act on their behalf for their good. That's kingship. But you won't move into that place until man does those things. And I'll show you this all scripturally. It'll be great. <laughs> he hasn't read a verse yet. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. <laughs> all right. Um, there's one other thought that hit me that I've never said before. I don't want to lose it. It's gone. I'll catch it back later. <laughs> all right. So let's take a look at this. First uh, Samuel chapter 9. There was a wealthy, influential man named Kish from the tribe of Benjamin. He was the son of Abiel, son of Zeror, son of Bacharath, son of Aphiah, of the tribe of Benjamin. Now, if you will simply translate the Hebrew and the Greek names from lineages, you will find hidden meaning. This is where revelation is hidden. Aphiah means, I will make to breathe. Bechereth, a firstborn. Zeror, one containing. Abiel, God as his father. Kish, fashioned. Saul, to be desired. Oh, so the authorship of Saul is found in his lineage, in his genealogy. I will make to breathe a firstborn son containing God as his father, one fashioned to be desired. Whoa. So the, the story of Saul is contained in his genealogy. Okay? So this is the man that we're starting with. His son Saul was the most handsome man in Israel. So if you need help with that, uh, picturing that, I'm right here. This. His son Saul is the most handsome man in Israel, head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the land. I can't help you with that one. Uh, one day, Kish's donkeys strayed away, and he told Saul, take a servant with you and go and look for the donkeys. So Saul took one of the servants and traveled through the hill country of Ephraim, the land of Shalisha, the Shalem area, the entire land of Benjamin, but could not find the donkeys anywhere. Finally, they entered the region of Zuf, which sounds like a Dr. Seuss book. The region of Zuf. What rhymes with Zuf? I don't know. That would be hard. And Saul said to his servant, let's go home now. By now, my father will be more worried about us than about the donkeys. Now, I want you to just put that in your brain that Saul said that because that's going to be important later on. Saul says, let's go home. By now, my father will be more worried about us than about the donkeys. But the servant said, I have just thought of something. There is a man of God who lives here in this town. He is held in high honor 
by all the people because everything he says comes true. Let's go find him. Perhaps he can tell us which way to go. But we don't have anything to offer him, Saul replied. Even our food is gone and we don't have a thing to give him. Well, the servant said, I have one small silver piece. We can at least offer it to the man of God and see what happens. In those days, if people wanted a message from God, they would say, let's go and ask the seer. For prophets used to be called seers. All right, Saul agreed, let's go try it. So they started into the town where the man of God lived. And as they were climbing the hill to the town, they met some young women coming out to draw water. So Saul and his servant asked, is the seer here today? Yes, they replied, stay right on this road. He's at the town gates. He has just arrived to take part of a public sacrifice up at the place of worship. Hurry and catch him before he goes up there to eat. The guests won't begin eating until he arrives to bless the food. So they entered the town, and as they passed through the gates, Samuel was coming out toward them to go up to the place of worship. Now the Lord had told Samuel the previous day, about this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him to be the leader of my people Israel. He will rescue them from the Philistines, for I have looked down on my people in mercy, and I have heard their cry. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said, that's the man I told you about. He will rule my people. <coughs> Just then Saul approached Samuel at the gateway and asked, Can you please tell me where the seer's house is? I am the seer, Samuel replied. Go up to the place of worship ahead of me. We will eat there together, and in the morning I will tell you what you want to know and send you on your way. What does Samuel promise Saul that he will tell him? What he wants to know. Okay. Next verse, don't worry about the donkeys, they were lost three days ago, for they have been found. But I thought Saul wanted to know about the donkeys. But the prophet looks at Saul and says, tomorrow I'll tell you what you really want to know. And don't worry about the donkeys, they've been found. Oh, so in that moment, Saul becomes aware, oh, there is something, there is a greater answer to a question that I haven't asked yet. Which is step number one. If you want to move from sonship to kingship, you have to be aware that this is a process that needs to take place in your life. That you are to end up as an influential person with dominion in this earth. All right? I know this is all alliterified, which isn't even a word, but it sounded good. I went to a Baptist Bible college. That's the third thing they teach you. Old Testament survey, New Testament survey, alliteration. So it's on point. I also got kicked out, but that doesn't matter. That's fine. I'm fine. It's fine. All right. <laughs> Don't worry about those donkeys that were lost three days ago, for they have been found. And I am here to tell you that you and your family are the focus of all of Israel's hope. Whoa. Can you imagine that? You're a farm boy, right? Not a very good one. You lost your dad's donkeys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, the man who has the reputation of everything that this man says comes true looks at you and says, all of the hope of Israel rests on you and your family. Whoa, what a moment of awakening, of awareness. And Saul replied, but I am only of the tribe of Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. The smallest tribe in Israel and my family is the least important of all the families of the tribe. Why are you talking to me like this? But you have to be aware that heaven will always address you as heaven knows you. Heaven will not address you as you know yourself. Heaven will address you as heaven knows you. And heaven knew Saul as the mighty king that would deliver the Israelites from the hand of the Philistines. 
Where else do we see this? Gideon, right? Gideon's hiding, threshing wheat in a cistern. Angel shows up. That's the sound they make. If you weren't aware, now you know. Just playing. Angel shows up, mighty man of valor. He's like, I'm scared to death right now. I'm scared of the Philistines. I'm scared of you. But heaven will always address you as heaven knows you. That, that is such a key because if you don't know that that's how it works, you will have thoughts that drift through your mind and you won't apprehend them because you won't realize that's heaven speaking to you. Because the qualification of heaven is always followed by the disqualification of hell. And it, the qualification of heaven will always be followed by the disqualification of hell. It actually takes truth to get doubt out of bed. So we hear a truth, and then what follows that? Oh, that's not true. That's not about you. That's a lie, right? So you have to be aware, oh, heaven speaks to me in unexpected ways. Heaven speaks to me from my destiny. I erased that. <laughs> it's fine. Okay. Heaven speaks to me from my end game. So some of you have been bombarded throughout your life with big dreams and big destinies, and you've pushed it away because you didn't realize that's how heaven speaks to you. Hmm. My, my, my. So Saul replies, but I'm only of the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe. Oh, Benjamin, son of my right hand. You will never apprehend your kingship with just the mind of a son. Why are you talking to me this way? You see, prophets, true prophets are king makers. Yes, true prophets will call the king out of you. If you're around a, a prophet who doesn't do that, not a real prophet. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, they, will, they will see the greatness, the potential in you, and they will call it out of you in a way that brings awareness, all right? Now, what did Samuel say? He said, go up to the place of worship ahead of me. We'll eat there together, and in the morning... I will tell you what you want to know. So not only did Saul have to become aware that there is a greater purpose in his life, but then second step, he had to make himself available to be around the one who would speak to his identity, purpose, and destiny. How many of you know that took sacrifice and investment? They had to stay an extra day. That cost them something. If you want to shift from sonship to kingship, you've got to find the one who has the answers and you've got to invest to get around them. You've got to not only be aware, hopefully that's what this message tonight is about, making you aware. But then you've got to invest to get around to be available to the one who knows how to call it out of you and to develop you into that place. All right. Then Samuel brought Saul and his servant into the hall and placed him at the head of the table, honoring him above the 30 special guests. Samuel then instructed the cooks to bring Saul the finest cut of meat, the piece that had been set aside for the guest of honor. So the cook brought it in, brought in the meat and placed it before Saul. Go ahead and eat it, Samuel said. I was saving it for you even before I invited these others. So Saul ate with Samuel that day, which means that God already has provision in place for your journey. 
Why? Because he's a good, kind, loving, heavenly father, and a good father always provides for his children. Okay? So it's more about stewardship, stewarding the investment, right? God is the one who provides it for you. So be looking for that. So the cook brought it out, placed it before Saul. Go ahead and eat, Samuel said. I was saving it for you even before I invited these others. So Saul ate with Samuel that day. When they came down from the place of worship and returned to town, Samuel took Saul up on the roof of the house and prepared a bed for him there. At daybreak the next morning, Samuel called to Saul, Get up. It's time you were on your way. So Saul got ready, and he and Samuel left the house together. When they reached the edge of town, Samuel told Saul to send his servant on ahead of him. After the servant was gone, Samuel said, Stay here, for I have received a special message for you from God. Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it over Saul's head. He kissed Saul and said, I am doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his special possession. So what happened in that moment? This is what you've been authored to do. I'm anointing you to do it, and you've been appointed to do it. But where did all of this take place? In private. God authors you, anoints you, and appoints you in private for the kingship that will take place in public. You will be anointed in private before you are crowned in public. When you leave me today, you will see two men beside Rachel's tomb at Zelzah on the border of Benjamin. They will tell you that the donkeys have been found and your father has stopped worrying about them and is now worried about you. Oh, that's what Saul said earlier. By now, my father is more worried about me than about the donkey. Oh, so Saul, Saul accidentally or intuitively prophesied. Oh, that's, that's important. When you get to the Oak of Tabor, you will see three men coming towards you who are on their way to worship God at Bethel. Not in Reading. This is Israel. <laughs> One will be bringing three young goats. Another will have three loaves of bread. The third will be carrying a wineskin full of wine. They will greet you and offer you two of the loaves. Two is the number of witness. Word has to do with the prophetic word of the Lord. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, they're going to bear witness to the word that I'm telling you right now. They will greet you and offer you two loaves, which you are to accept. When you arrive at Gibeah of God, where the garrison of the Philistines is located. Well, that's encouraging. Just me? Okay. The garrison of the Philistines means the stronghold of the enemy. And the prophet is sending him, where? Directly to the stronghold of the enemy. <laughs> Why? Because he's the answer to that. You'll never hear me say, man, I was, I'm really being attacked this week. I won't ever say it because I am the attack of God. I may have a week that's a real battle, but it's because I've come up against the desperate defense of the enemy. But the kingdom is always advancing. I can't be under attack because I am the attack. I can be in a battle, but I can't be under attack. You are the attack of the kingdom. Have you ever noticed the armor of God? There's nothing on your back because you're made to move forward. Of the increase of his kingdom and peace, his government and peace, there will be no end. Right? It's constantly expanding. Right? That little shift right there will make a huge difference in your life because it will shift you out of defensive into offensive. It'll actually shift you out of believing a lie into manifesting the truth. Listen, I've been in some battles and I've been beaten up, but I was still the attack. I was still winning. 
<laughs> Come on. All right. When you arrive at Gibeah of God, where the garrison of the Philistines is located, I love what Bill Johnson says, if you don't encounter a demon from time to time, you may be traveling in the same direction. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So what, now what happens on this journey? He then says, you will meet a band of prophets coming down from the place of worship. They will be playing a harp, a tambourine, a flute, and a lyre, and they will be prophesying. At that time, what time? When he gets around prophets. At that time, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them. Point number two, I'm not even preaching about prophets, but this bears stating, a true prophet will unlock the prophetic in you. A really good prophet will unlock the prophetic in people that end up prophesying better than he does or she does. You see, I'm fully aware I am a prophet, but that means when I walk into the room, it doesn't mean that I prophesy better than anyone here. It means everybody prophesies better when I'm in the room because I'm the key of God to unlock that in you. So I've got powerful sons and daughters in the kingdom who are not prophets that can prophesy the pain off a wall and are more accurate than I am. And I'm not threatened by that. I'm encouraged by that because I got to play a little piece in unlocking that in them. So watch this. I don't want you to miss this. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you and you will prophesy with them. You will be changed into a different person after these signs take place. Do what must be done for God is with you. Question, was Saul anointed to be a prophet? He was anointed to be a what? Oh, so the, the ability to prophesy is the attribute of a king. Catch that. The ability to prophesy is actually the attribute of a king. You see, we've got this whole paradigm about kings and priests, right? And every, I just went Catholic accidentally. <laughs> we, we've got this paradigm about, about priests and kings, right? And each of you... Uh, what's the right phrasing for that? Each of you are both a king and a priest, but some of you lean more priestly by design, and some of you lean more kingly by design, okay? So like some of you are like, if we could just get together and worship for 12 hours, that would be amazing. And some of you are like, okay, I'm going to discipline myself to worship for 20 minutes, and then I'm going to go build something. And neither of those is wrong, because some of you in your design lean more priestly and you're made to, to minister and to host the presence of God. And some of you are made to engage in that because it blesses you and it equips you, but you're made to build something, to go take territory. And both of those is good. It's so funny. I've got some kings that come to, uh, uh, <laughs> that come to, uh, to my church. And it's like, they're like, you can see them getting ready for worship and prayer. They're like, all right. I'm about to do this, <laughs> right? But like once, once they're done, they're like, they, they're like come a little bit more alive. I'm about to go advance the kingdom, right? All right, we've got to make room for that because the church has been priest heavy, king light. We've said the priestly part is more important, but how many of you know scripture actually says not that you are priests of a kingdom. It says you are a kingdom of priests. Oh, so the emphasis might should actually be on the kingship part because you were made for dominion. And so that might be the reason why we're in the culture issue that we're in today, because we've been developing all these priests and not developing them to do kingly things. Yeah. 
right? So currently, the pen in Washington is more powerful than your prayer. I had a good run. It's the side door. <laughs> what do I mean by that? Okay, how many generations have been praying for abortion to end? How many more godly, more holy, better praying people than you have been praying for abortion to end for generations, right? I'm thinking of like my grandma, right? Like she got it done, all right? But it hasn't happened yet. Why? Because when priests pray, they clear the atmosphere over a territory, but the kingdom doesn't advance until a king comes and takes that territory. So because we've been powerful on raising priests we, who are valuable and have cleared the atmosphere, but we haven't raised up any kings to go take the territory. So we have prayer meeting after prayer meeting, praying that abortion would end, and we're not identifying the, the sons and daughters of God that were designed for government that are meant to become congressmen, congresswomen, and senators who are supposed to go and legislate what the king says. So currently, the pen in Washington on the matter of abortion, and I'm not dogging Democrats or Republicans, I'm neither, I'm kingdom, but I know that abortion doesn't line up with the kingdom, so that's a hill I'll die on, all right? Not really, because I'm immortal, all right? At least eternal, all right? Okay. <laughs> Overextension of humor, reel it back in, all right? But until we equip the kings to go and take the pen that has the power to end abortion in our land, no, the prayer isn't going to finish the job. And it's valuable. And if you're in the room and you have spent hours praying for abortion to end, I honor you and I apologize to you on behalf of the church and on behalf of the kings that haven't gone and taken the territory that you've cleared in the atmosphere. What you did was and is valuable, but we've got to raise up the kings to finish the job. The ability to prophesy is the attribute of a king, actually, not a priest. But the church has relegated the ability to prophesy to the priestly people. I don't need to learn how to prophesy. I'm not a prophet. Oh, no, but you are a king. And the one class that God tells, Samuel, tell, that God tells Saul through Samuel that he must take is not a government class. It's not a leadership class. It's not an economics class. It's not a war strategy class, although he's about to have to go and defeat an army. Seems like all of those would have been beneficial. But no, God says the one class you will take is learn how to prophesy, then go and do what must be done. In other words, the, the ability to hear your father with clarity and to communicate what he's saying is the one preeminent key that you as a king must have. You have to be able to articulate. I just got another one. I'm so happy right now. <laughs> Alliteration expanded. <laughs> That's hilarious. Listen, you may be a business person. You may be an educator. You may be supposed to be a journalist in media, whatever it is, I don't care. Whatever sphere of the world you're called to influence, it doesn't matter. It is of preeminent necessity that you learn how to hear your father's voice and communicate it. That's why we're doing prophetic activation tomorrow. That's why I'm going to facilitate. I'm, I'm going to give you an upgrade, right? Why do I say that? Because I, as a prophet, I am God's gift to the church for upgrades in the prophetic. So I'm going to give you an upgrade in your ability to perceive information from your father and to articulate it. 
Why? Not as a priestly activity, as a kingly equipping. The ability to prophesy is the attribute of a king. I'm preaching myself happy over here. (laughs) After these signs take place, go and do what must be done for God is with you. Then go down to Gilgal ahead of me. Everyone say Gilgal. Then go down to Gilgal ahead of me. I will join you there to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. You must wait. Everyone say wait. For seven days until I arrive and give you further instructions. What's so funny about that is Gilgal means get the wheel rolling. So God is saying go and get the wheel rolling and then wait. Oh, what is the hidden key here? The key here is you have to establish and honor a rhythm of rest in your life or you will abort your destiny. So as Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart. Wow. I don't have time to get into that, but that's pretty crazy. And all of Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. When Saul and his servant arrived at Gibeah, they saw a group of prophets coming toward them. Then the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul, and he too began to prophesy. When those who knew Saul heard about it, they exclaimed, What? Is even Saul a prophet? How did the son of Kish become a prophet? And one of those standing there said, Can anyone become a prophet no matter who his father is? (laughs) There's two ways you can read that. So that is the origin of the saying, hashtag is even Saul a prophet. That was for two people. That's fine. I'm going to strike that from my notes. All right, thank you. When Saul had finished prophesying, he went up to the place of worship. Where have you been? All right, so what happened now? He became aware. He made himself available. He acknowledged what the prophet said. How do we know he acknowledged it? Because he went and did what the prophet asked him to do. He apprenticed himself. He found people that, knew, that were prophets and knew how to prophesy and how to equip someone to prophesy, and he apprenticed himself under them. Obviously in a super brief, supernatural way, but that's still what happened. He learned how to articulate, and then he activated it, Right? You, for some of you, the key is, how do I say this? I, I, I wasted about two years because I was, I was, um, <laughs> wisdom is talking to me. Please stand by. <laughs> you, you have to know when your apprenticeship is up and when it's time for you to step into and activate. All right. Anybody who tries to keep you as an apprentice forever is a terrible mentor. I said this the other day. That if you still because because still the Lord, I'm like, I'm I, I really believe I'm moving in between here and here. Right. God's developing the father part of me um, in some areas in my life. I'm pretty well established as a king. But even in this process, Holy Spirit will still sometimes put his finger on a little orphan heart piece, right? So those with orphan heart tendencies will sometimes mistake a king for a father. And that's what I did. But you'll realize that as soon as you stop building that king's kingdom, they don't want anything to do with you. Because they were only for you as long as you were for their kingdom. They were never for you for you. So you've got to evaluate the relationships in your life 
Otherwise, you will put delay on stepping into the fullness of your purpose and destiny. And that's what I did. I was in an apprentice position for a while, but I mistook the king that I was serving for a father. And I didn't realize, oh, I'm actually just helping him build his kingdom, which is fine as long as you're being equipped to build his kingdom, right? But you've got to know when it's time to move and to build your own thing. Religion will try to keep you, un- you got to stay under my covering. Is that all right? Can we go there? <laughs> Have you already? <laughs> it's cool. I'll do it. So <laughs> I'll just play it. <laughs> I'll just play it. So there's been an issue with the charismatic movement for a long time of who's your covering. When scripture says the church is built upon the foundation of the apostle and the prophet. In other words, you're not under them. You're, you stand upon them. Who's your covering, brother? Uh, the Holy Ghost? If you were smart, the question you would ask me is, who are you building upon? Right? I'm building upon Dan O'McCollum. Right? Because he wants his ceiling to be my floor. That's the father heart, the mother heart piece that apostles and prophets should walk on. How can I lend myself to you so you can go further? Not how can I keep you under my covering? All right. <laughs> I don't even know where I was at. Activate. Apprentice, yes. All right. <clears throat> okay, so the next thing that needs to happen is that Saul is going to be given an opportunity to enunciate with, when it's spelled with an A, is actually a word. I had a lady come up after I preached this one time and was like, enunciate isn't a word. And so I had to pull up the dictionary which was handy on my phone, and I showed her. Um, But anyway, it simply means to announce, okay? You've got, at some point, you have to make a declaration into the atmosphere stating who you are. Otherwise, the atmosphere and the environment will never respond to you correctly. There's a difference between declaring and decreeing. And in our stream, it's super confused, So people will say things like, I declare and I decree, and then they say a bunch of stuff, and stuff happens because God's a good father, and he's like, they're trying. I'll still partner with it, all right? But there's actually a difference (laughs) between the two. (laughs) To, To declare means to make something known. To decree means to command an outcome. So you have prayer, you have declaration, and you have decree. And we see this when Jesus comes to the tomb of Lazarus. He starts off referencing prayer. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Oh, he already had a conversation with the Lord. What did he ask? Probably, what are you doing today, Father? What are you saying today, Father? Because Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father doing. I only say what I hear my Father saying. Father's like, hey, we're going to raise Lazarus from the dead today. Jesus is like, cool. All right. So, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I don't say this for my own sake, but for the sake of those who are with me, that they may know. What does declare mean? Make something known. That they may know that you have heard me. He's making the declaration, I'm the one the Father hears. Then he shifts into decree. Lazarus, come out. What happens? Lazarus stands up and comes out. Why did his, occur, his decree occur? Because he He preempted his decree with a declaration of authority because a decree is a word of power. Declaration is a word of authority. And power that's not backed by authority will do nothing because the system of darkness has power. 
but no authority. So it takes the authority of the kingdom of light backing the power of the decree to displace the darkness. So when Jesus, who a few verses before happened to say, I am the resurrection and the life. Oh, those are two more declarations. So Jesus walks into this situation. He's about to raise someone from the dead who's been dead longer than three days, which has never happened before. It's known as a messianic miracle. There were a few miracles that Jesus performed that the Jews had on a list. When the Messiah comes, he will perform these miracles because no one else has ever done that before. And one of those was that no one had ever been raised from the dead who had been dead longer than three days. And so Jesus comes into this situation. I'm about to do the thing that's never been done before because several of the things Jesus did that were miraculous had actually been performed by other people. But he walks into this situation and he makes three declarations. I am the resurrection. I am the life. I'm the one the Father hears. Boom. Did y'all hear authority on my voice when I said that, by the way? Did you feel the atmosphere shift? And I'm just making an illustration. So when Jesus makes that declaration, boom, into the atmosphere, now all of a sudden the kingdom of light is standing at attention. We're about to partner with what this man says. The system of darkness is cowering. We're about to have to submit to what this man says. Okay? And then he says, Lazarus, come forth. And the power of life and death is on the tongue. When the power of life leaves his mouth, those words look back to see under whose authority are we sent on task. And the decree of life looks back, oh, we're backed by the authority of resurrection, life, and the one the Father hears, and goes in and displaces death at a level where it's never been displaced before. And Lazarus comes walking out. It's a big deal. So if you don't get clarity on who you are, and then you don't make the declaration audibly into the atmosphere, then things will not respond to you correctly. This is a huge point of breakthrough for many of you in the room because you've been praying that some things would happen. And listen, sometimes God will just move on a prayer because he loves you and he's your father and it's a sonship or a daughterhood thing. And sometimes he won't move on the prayer because he's intentionally giving you an opportunity to mature into your kingship, mature into your queenship and to learn how to declare and to decree a thing that you've heard from him in order to see it move. It's not that he's withholding something from you. He's trying to lead you into a new position. He's trying to promote you. All right. So Saul's about to have an opportunity to enunciate, to announce, to declare who he is. To who his uncle? (laughs) I didn't even mean for that to be funny, and that just killed underline for next time. All right. Where have you been? Saul's uncle asked him and his servant. We were looking for the donkeys, Saul replied, but we couldn't find them. So we went to Samuel to ask where they were. Oh, and what did he say? His uncle asked. He told us that the donkeys had already been found, Saul replied, but Saul didn't tell his uncle what Samuel had said about the kingdom. Oh, he missed out. Now this is super important. Watch what the next word is. Later. Ah, so if you fail to enunciate, you will put a delay on your progress. And so what is about to happen? Samuel is going to have to come in and make that announcement for him to move him ahead. That's what a true kingdom mother or father will do. They'll make the announcement for you publicly. They'll champion who you are before you even believe it about yourself. And that's powerful. 
Saul didn't tell his uncle what Samuel had said about the kingdom. Later, after a moment of delay in his process, and what was happening during that process, his countrymen were getting slaughtered by an evil Philistine king. Dang. So maybe we should take this process seriously because it's not actually about you. It's about the lives that are waiting for you to show up in your kingship. Later, Samuel called all the people of Israel to meet before the Lord at Mizpah. And he said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, has declared. I brought you from Egypt and rescued you from the Egyptians and all of the nations that were oppressing you. But though I have rescued you from your misery and distress, you have rejected your God today and have said, no, we want a king instead. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by tribes and clans. So Samuel brought all of the tribes of Israel before the Lord, and the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by lot. Then he brought each of the family of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord, and the family of the Matrites were chosen. And finally, Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen from among them. But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. So they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, he's hiding among the baggage. (laughs) How many of you, my hand up first, have, have ever put a delay in the process to the fullness of your purpose because you wouldn't deal with your baggage. Right? That's why heart healing is so important. You've got to deal with your baggage. Get rid of it. Step into righteousness consciousness. Step into healing so that you can progress in your journey. He's hiding among the baggage. So they found him and brought him out, and he stood head and shoulders above anyone else. Then Samuel said to all the people, this is the man the Lord has chosen as your king. No one in all Israel is like him. And all the people shouted, long live the king. Now watch this. The people championed him, but they did not crown him. And that's a big difference. And so don't fall into the trap of of recognition thinking that it's royalty. People will champion you before they crown you. But how many of you know words are cheap and action is better? Then Samuel told the people what the rights and the duties of a king were. He wrote them down on a scroll and placed it before the Lord, and Samuel sent the people home. When Saul returned to his home at Gibeah, a group of men whose hearts God had touched went with him. I'm going to read that again. Saul returned to his home at Gibeah. And a group of men whose hearts God had touched went with him. Who are you running with? Make sure that you're surrounded by people whose hearts have been touched by God. That's who you're running with. You should con- Listen, if you don't have some friends that don't believe in God, you need to expand your friend group. Because there are people that need to meet him through you. But who are you running with? There's a difference between who you're reaching and who you're running with. Make sure the ones you're running with, they have hearts that have been touched by God. But there were some scoundrels who complained, how can this man save us? And they scorned him and refused to bring him gifts. And here's one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, but Saul ignored them. (laughs) Why? This is one of my favorites because the ability to ignore is the attribute of a king. If you can prophesy and ignore people, you're in good shape. I ignore people constantly. (laughs) But the question is, how do you keep your heart soft 
and still be able to ignore those that you need to ignore. Some of the translations have been translated from an earlier version of this scroll, and they would include, some of your Bibles here today may include, that it was the sons of Belial that scorned him. And Belial means worthlessness. Oh, so it was the people who did not know their own worth that could not recognize the worth in Saul. So I ignore a lot of people, but my heart is still soft towards them because I know they simply don't know their identity. And that's why they can't handle mine. From that same scroll, some of your Bibles will include this. It goes on to say, Nahash, which means serpent, huh? King of the Ammonites had been grievously oppressing the people of Gad and Reuben, only two tribes who had what in common, who lived on the east side of the Jordan River. Oh, they hadn't crossed over into the promised land. He had gouged out the right eye of each of the Israelites living there, and he didn't allow anyone to come and rescue them. In fact, of all the Israelites east of the Jordan, there wasn't a single one whose right eye Nahash had not gouged out. But there were 7,000 men who escaped the Ammonites, and they have settled in Jabesh-Gilead. Now, here's what you have to capture here. Nahash means serpent. It's going to be important here in a little bit. And what had he done? Gouged out eyes. He blinded Gad and Reuben. Is that, a, is that a cue? You're done? <laughs> Hilarious. Gad means a troop cometh. A troop cometh. <laughs> Reuben means to see a son. How many of you know that if you are getting your eyes gouged out, that in that moment a troop cometh thing doesn't do you any good? I heard a preacher one time uh, say to a whole conference full of pastors, um, I look around and I see a whole lot of potential in this room. That just means you haven't done a dang thing yet. <laughs> so a troop come a thing simply means there's potential in you, but it's not doing anybody any good. But they had seen the sun. All right. And these two tribes... They are on the east side of the Jordan. <laughs> That's not east. I'm from the city, okay? All right, Gad and Reuben. I'm so thankful that Chris, whenever I ask for directions, he just sends me an address. <laughs> so, there's nothing worse than when you get booked to show up somewhere and they give you country directions. <laughs> No lie, this was one of my directions one time. You're going to go up the road about seven or eight miles and hang a left where the big oak tree used to be. I was like, I am a prophet. However, <laughs> this is challenging. <laughs> Sir, I've never been to your town and I am unfamiliar with said oak. <clears throat> All right, now this is what's so important. Here's the promised land. How many of you know that for us, the promised land is the kingdom? This is pertinent to your church because your church has made boldly the decision to become a kingdom church. 
which means not everyone will understand you. <laughs> that landed good. <laughs> not everyone will understand you. Why? They're still your brothers and the, your sisters. They've seen the sun. They have experienced the gospel of salvation. They have all the potential in the world, but they've been blinded because they haven't chosen to cross the river into the kingdom space. And watch this. In Numbers chapter 32, verse 3, these are the towns that this group asks for. Gad and Reuben, okay? All of the 12 tribes have come up against the river, and they're about to cross over and take the promised land. And Gad and Reuben look around, they're like, hey, this is good enough for us. And they say, Moses, can we just have this area? And Moses says, I guess, but you still have to cross over and help them take their land. So they cross over, they help the rest of the tribes take their land, and then they retreat back to the place of familiarity, to just the gospel of salvation. They've seen the sun, they have all the potential in the world, but they're blinded to the promised land, the kingdom. And they ask for these towns in this order. Notice the towns of Ataroth, Dabon, Jazir, Nimrah, Heshbon, uh, Elela, Sibma, Nebo, and beyond, which in order translate to this, crowns wasting. Helped completely clear, stronghold, God ascending or moving on, a fragrance rising, Babylonian God of writing and dwelling. What? Did you catch all that? These kings that asked to stay on the wrong side of the river, that said, we don't want any part of the promised land. We'll stay where it's familiar. We've seen the sun. That's enough for us. We have all the potential, but we're not going to engage it. Crowns wasting. Ah, they missed out on their kingship. They'll be sons and daughters, and that's more than enough for them for forever. But the world is dying for them to step into their kingship. Crowns wasting. Now, a historical piece helped completely clear a stronghold. That's exactly what they did. They went across the river, and they helped the Israelites clear the land. God ascending, a fragrance rising. Oh, God moved on. Leaving them what? Nebo, the Babylonian God of writing and dwelling. That's why the people that will have the most issue with what you're doing, they have in their minds a trinity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. That's true. That's true. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. The, word, the, the God of writing and dwelling. How many of you know that it's not the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible? It's also not the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bird, by the, by the way. <laughs> it says the Holy Spirit descended like a dove, not as a dove. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it wasn't a literal white bird that came down out of heaven, right? The Holy Spirit descended dimensionally out of heaven and rested on Jesus, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So they'll be stuck in their religiosity and their writing, where Scripture is their God, not God. Where the written word is their God, not the living word. The lowercase w word, not the capital W word. Jesus is the word. All right. So that was just, that was for free. Hopefully it's encouraging to you guys in your, in your process. Chapter 11, verse 1. All right. So... Saul is still on this pause state because he hasn't spoken up in, in, uh, for himself, for himself. 
And it says this, about a month later, King Nahash, which means serpent, of Ammon led his army against the Israelite town of Jabesh-Gilead. But all the servants of Jabesh asked for peace. Make a treaty with us and we will be your servants, they pleaded. All right, Nahash said, but only on one condition. I will gouge out the right eye of every one of you as a disgrace to all of Israel. Give us seven days to send messengers throughout Israel, replied the elders of Jabesh. If no one comes to save us, we will agree to your terms. When the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul and told the people about their plight, everyone broke into tears. And Saul, who had been plowing a field with his oxen, I went back to the field. When, when he returned to town, asked, what's the matter? Why is everyone crying? Why are you crying? So they told him about, that joke wasn't for anybody in here, apparently just me. George Lopez, no. All right. Why are you crying? All right. So they, I'm going to, it's going to win. I refuse to let that joke die. So they told him about the message from Jabesh. Watch this. Then the spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul and he became very angry. Some of you need to get angry about the injustice that people are suffering because you haven't shown up yet. You see, in that moment, Saul realized, oh, this kingship thing isn't about me. I'm in my place of comfortability and familiarity, but people out there are dying because I haven't stepped up into my purpose. He took two oxen and cut them in pieces. What's he doing? He is abandoning the field. He's saying, this is how I cultivate the field. This is how I work the field. This is the sustenance of my life in this identity and purpose, and I'm going to abandon it. There's no turning back. He took the two oxen, cut them in pieces, and sent the messengers to carry them throughout Israel with this message. So not only is he abandoning his position of sonship, he is now enunciating the king that he is. This is what will happen to the oxen of anyone who refuses to follow Saul and Samuel into battle. And the Lord made the people afraid of Saul's anger, and all of them came out together as one. When Saul mobilized them at Bezek, everyone say Bezek. Bezek means lightning. Oh, so the serpent is going to fall like lightning. Oh, that was for free. They found that there were 300,000 men from Israel and 30,000 men from Judah. So Saul sent the messengers back to Jabesh Gilead to say, we will rescue you by noontime tomorrow. There was great joy throughout the town when the message arrived. The men of Jabesh then told their enemies, tomorrow we will come out to you and you can do to us whatever you wish. But before dawn the next morning, Saul arrived. Watch this. Saul is a farm boy. Saul arrived having divided the army into three detachments. He launched a surprise attack against the Ammonites and slaughtered them the whole morning. The remnant of their army was so badly scattered that no two of them were left together. Where did a farm boy get a war strategy like that? Prophetically. Because he had activated the gift of the prophetic in his life, and the gift of the prophetic is the attribute of a king. And so a farm boy got a five-star general strategy first time and implemented it. Then the people exclaimed to Samuel, Now where are those men who said, Why should Saul rule over us? Bring them here and we will kill them. But Saul replied, no one will be executed today, for today the Lord has rescued Israel. Then Samuel said to the people, come, let us go up to Gilgal. Let's go get the wheel rolling. Watch what he says. To renew the kingdom. So they all went to Gilgal, and in a solemn ceremony before the Lord, they 
made Saul king. God didn't make Saul king. God authored Saul to be a king. God anointed Saul to be a king. God appointed Saul to be a king. But who made him a king? Man. Because it's not until man sees what it is that you have become and sees how you're living your life and sees how you have become a solution to a problem and they accept you. They stop rejecting you. They start accepting what it is that you're doing. They start approving of it. And then they authorize you to act on their behalf in that area of their life. That's when you know you've stepped into kingship. There they offered a peace offering to the Lord and Saul and all the Israelites were filled with joy. So, listen, if you don't hear me say anything else tonight, hear me say this. You have to be comfortable being while you are becoming. Because God is quite comfortable with you being exactly where you are while you are becoming. He actually doesn't expect you to be anywhere else, to be anyone else, or to be any further along in your process than you are. He's actually quite excited about where you are, and he's very excited about where he wants to take you. And so I don't want any, to leave any place for condemnation or shame or guilt to settle on you because you're exactly where you're supposed to be in your process. The sooner the better that you become a king, become a queen, that's, yes, because it's for the sake of others that you assume that position. But you can be quite comfortable being while you are becoming. Be comfortable in your process. There's time. I don't even care, you know, how old you are. There's something left for you to do. There's still influence and dominion left for you. And what does that look like? And how do you attain that? And how does God redeem the time in your life? Because he's for you. He, it's, You know, God is... Uh, God is, is offering and providing and moving on your behalf even when you don't know he's moving in this process. He's not a stingy God. I used to think he was stingy because I thought he was distant and hard to please because I had angry dad theology. And I didn't realize he's so generous that he allows tests to come into my life for one, person, one purpose only, and that is to see how much he can give me, how much he can trust me with. He allows a test to come into your life because he's standing there with favor and anointing and wealth and purpose and opportunity and authority. And he's saying, how much can I give my son? How much can I give my daughter without breaking them? And so he allows a test to come because he's just waiting for you to pass the test, not so that he can finally approve of you, but so that he can finally pour out everything that has been in his heart to give you. So where are you being tested in your life right now? And how does that mindset shift, right? Repent. Metanaeo. Every single time you see repent in Scripture, in the New Testament, every single time it's the word metanaeo, which means meta, change, naeo, your mind. Change the way you think. It doesn't mean get a whole bunch of people together and get sorry and snot on the altar. There's a couple of ministries out there that I won't name that are trying to get as many people in church as they can to get really sorry and cry. And it makes me want to puke on my shoes. Because I'm like, that's not even what repentance is. Repentance is agreeing with the truth, changing the way that you think so that you become the solution. We've got, we've got groups of people 
that are, are getting together in rooms, getting super sorry, and asking God to provide solutions. And God's like, you are the solution. Why don't you get equipped? Why don't you repent and change the way you think so that you can be the answer that I made you to be to all these issues in the world? <laughs> Goodness. All right. Let me see here. Okay, who is, um, if y'all want to pick somebody from your group that you know is building something that I could work with publicly, who would you pick? Okay, would you be okay if I work with you publicly? Awesome, come on. Is there another mic, by the way? I just want to make her as uncomfortable as possible. <laughs> I'll just play it. <laughs> we'll try it for a little bit. Sweet. Awesome, awesome. Here you go. Thanks so much. This is going to be great. Yay. All right, so what is it that you're building? What is it that you are bringing? Okay, I should never have erased this. Origin, identity, purpose, destiny. All right, so we're focusing on this portion right here. What is it that you bring to the table, and what table is waiting on you to show up? So what is it that you are building that is tied to a passion of yours that changes people's lives? Okay. Um, so uh, my ministry is called Healing Center of the Arts, and Healing Center of the Arts. Okay, so my passion is to release the kingdom through the arts. Boom. Love that. And it's equipping artists to step into their identity and their purpose and knowing that moving through the arts that they can release that. All right. Healing Center of the Arts. The desire is to release the kingdom through the arts, specifically by equipping artists and their identity and purpose and the revelation that they can release the kingdom through the arts. Correct. That's amazing. Come on. Awesome. <laughs> All right. And so, we're seeing amazing things. Come on. Yep. Share a testimony real quick. I love testimony in the room. Atmosphere is good. Okay. Recently. A recent one. Okay. Yeah. Creative Healing Night. That was really awesome because it moved through all arts. So we had um, a creative healing night, that's what we call it, and basically it's just hosting its presence and letting um, people just get ministered through the arts. So we have worship, we have artists, um, actually we had two artists just painting. Um, and then we'll have uh, um, Rebecca, she's part of Healing Center of Arts as well, so she does worship, she's amazing. Um, and the, the, the dancers will just worship with flags, and we'll flag over people, right? So that night, we did a little different. Um, we had um, dream interpretation, and we also had, um, I call it popcorn prophetic art, but you sit down, and it's like a, maybe like 10, 15 minutes, you can have an artist do a prophetic piece for you. And um, we had a gentleman that came, and he received a prophetic piece of art, that really um, spoke to him and was touched. And um, a lot of it was from his past and that he did get hurt from the church a little. 
and um, then he received an interpretation of a dream, and it, it totally rocked his world, and it tied to the painting. Okay, so wow. none of us have talked. None yeah. of us have talked. And um, there was a portion in the dream that he was trying to say a word, and he could not say the word. It was like he was being choked. He could not say that word. And so we were able to interpret the dream, um, just love on him, um, and um, he was encouraged through that. And then we were in here in worship. Um, he was definitely touched by the Lord, but the very last song that we sung was Yeshua. Do you know that song? It's like over and again, Yeshua, Yeshua. I'm not a, I'm not a singer by any means. I'm a, I'm Give it a, a shot. <laughs> but I, I'm the artist. So anyways, uh, towards the end, uh, we sang the song, and I was, it was just, you know, I had no idea, too, because my team is doing this. You know, and, and, and then towards the end, I got to hear the testimony. And not only was he touched when he received the prophetic art and then the, the dream being tied to that. And then at the very end, we sang the song. And why I'm saying this, because the word he was trying to say, and he was being trucked, was saying Yeshua, but he couldn't get it all the way out. Yeah. And so it was like, you know, God, you're so good. How we had no idea, but how God connected every single dot yeah. of the arts to him, to speak to him. Because I always say, you know, you can go into a museum and look at a painting and you could cry. You can get emotional. Yeah. But, but when an artist can hear the Father and paint what they've been praying all week, and they can paint that, and someone can be touched, can be healed, can be rocked, I mean, that, that's volumes to me. Because we're trying to show the Father's heart through creativity. He is the master creator. And so we need to redeem back the arts. Um, so that's our passion yeah. is to really, you know, so much, and someone prayed this for me, and it really broke me, but so much the artists have been a commodity item, mm. and we, that's not who we are. Yeah. We are to display the Father's heart and his love through creativity. Come on. So... Um, I can go on and on, but yes. That was super good. I love that. Yeah, give Jesus a hand. That was a powerful testimony. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's just kind of, uh, well, my next question for you would be, is the healing center of the arts on a scale of 1 to 10, okay, 1 being uh, the first meeting that you had or the first class, etc., and 10 being where you see the healing center of the arts operating in the fullness of destiny, how far in this process would you say you are? I feel like we're in baby stages. Okay. Um, so last year we actually started. Um, this would be our second year, but I feel like um, God has opened so many doors for us, like things I'm like, we're a part of. I'm like, okay, how do we even get here? Yeah. Um, but I feel like there's so much, there's, I feel like we scratched the surface. I feel like there's so much more. I see, I see the, the field. Yeah. And I see the path. Yeah. And I, I know there's more, but yeah, I feel we're still in infancy. Love it. Yeah. So would you say like a 1.5 or a 2? I'm or? sorry, numbers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> give me a number. So, um, I don't know. Would you say 2 at least? 3. Okay, everyone's giving me numbers. I feel like I'm in, like, the price is right. The Help price me. Is right. Come on. <laughs> Come on down. <laughs> I've always wanted to be in the price is right. Okay, 3. That's awesome. We're on 3, people. All right, we're perfect. Good. So I'm just going to walk you through this process, yeah. and uh, we're going to look for steps in here that you're going to be able to 
implement in a practical way to help shift this further along. And so just start with telling me, uh, when did you become aware that this was in you and supposed to proceed from you? Tell me that story. That's a huge testimony. <laughs> um, I felt like it was, there was always something there. Um, but I'd have to say um, 2018, um, when we actually, my husband and I joined a ministry school, it's called VSSM, so it's a satellite school from, from Bethel, um, I'm sure you're familiar with it, but um, we joined that, and it was like, it was awakened inside of me, as best I can describe it, it was like, um, I've always been an artist, um, but I would always be, I, I moved in performance, that was so much of my background for so long. And I, like, you wanted a piece of art? Sure, I can do that for you. You know, I was a people pleaser. Whatever you needed, I could do it. But it was the first time me stepping in and, like, okay, I'm going to produce art for what you have, Father. Like, I'm going to produce. And not only just, like, the Father was, it's like he had pleasure in me painting for myself. And I was being awakened inside. And as I was painting these, these pictures, people were being touched. And I was like, what's going on here? <laughs> You know, um, so I think that it was, it was an awakening within me. Um, and then it's just like one thing after another, you know, the Lord just kept showing me this, this picture of artists coming together and really stepping into what they were always called to do and having passion in doing that. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Very well, very well stated. How aware, so I feel like your level of awareness on the uh, conception and the, the initiating of it is super clear. Mm -hmm. How aware would you say you are, how much clarity do you have surrounding what it is supposed to become in the end? Um, I, I see, I'm a little bit organized freak too. Um, <laughs> I've actually done a diagram, but um, nice. <laughs> they all know. Um, I don't know. I mean, I thought like I had like a full vision of it, but I feel like there's every time I like a, like the Lord gives me, and I think this is me too. Like He'll give me a piece of a puzzle, and I feel like it just branches from there too. Yeah. Um, so I I know that there's more artists to come. As I always say, it's like there's more artists to come. I don't have it, and I don't need to know it. You know what I mean? I don't need to have all the answers. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. Um. No. I think that, uh, so I think there's a little bit of room for upgrade in the awareness surrounding the fullness of what it looks like. And the reason I say that okay. is um, that God always clearly ends something before he begins it. Mm -hmm. So within the context of the conversation of the Trinity, let us make man in our image and likeness, let them have dominion, clearly ended. Then he goes and puts his hands in the soil to begin it. Um, also, uh, you know, Habakkuk, Write the vision and make it plain so that men may run with it, right? And so I would spend a little bit, uh, I would be a little more intentional um, with spending time with the Lord on, God, please let, give me more of the finished pieces of what this looks like, because that's going to heighten your awareness. A lot of what, and I'm speaking prophetically now, but a lot of, of what you're needing to manifest this is going to come through favor and divine encounters. And so if you're aware of the pieces that you need, you're not going to miss those when they come. 
I sometimes in my process got clarity on what I needed, and then I looked back in my life and realized, oh, God already sent me that, and I missed it because I wasn't intentional enough to develop the awareness of what I needed to be looking for. And so the more clarity that you have of the finished construct, the more or the higher stewardship you'll be able to uh, apply to divine encounters and opportunities of favor, if that makes sense. I yeah. Really, um I may I, I'm part of the question, like I do see us more outreach, and that's what we've actually had lots of favor in recently. Yeah. Um, so like we're actually going to be ministering out to the streets, and it's like we, that was our heart last year, and it's like we kept trying to make it happen. And I was like, it never fell through. And I was yeah. like, okay, that was God. It's like it wasn't time. It's like yeah. we would have appointments or we'd, we'd have our heart to do something, and then it just wouldn't come. Yeah. And it's like this year, it's like, it's, like, you know, it's like this huge door of opportunity. Like things that we've been praying for last year, it was like opportunity for it to happen this year. Yeah. You know, so like we're going to the streets and ministering to the women. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we went there last, um, a couple of weeks ago, and it's like we had so many just, like, people just driving up, like, I don't know why I'm here, but, you know, we're like, okay, well, would you like prayer? And, like, we had a man, like, receive salvation, the Holy Spirit. I mean, it was crazy <laughs> things happening, and all we're yeah. doing is flagging and painting, and it's like, okay, God was just opening doors, and now we're um, getting in touch with other ministries um, and connecting with them. And that's the thing that was our heart too. It's like, it's not about us coming up with the next great idea, but how can we partner with other ministries? Like they've already been plowing the field. They've already been praying into this. Yeah. Like, why can't we just couple along with you and see the same vision? Super smart. So that, that we're sort of, I guess that's another way that we're moving, but yeah, yeah. I love that. I'm a big fan of everything you're saying. That's so good. Share with me your top three needs to reach the next step? Top three things. Um, definitely finances. I'd have to say that um, a lot of it is us just really <laughs> by faith. And that really um, uh, me moving with my own finances. So finances would be great. Um, the other thing is, I, you know, like I said, is like I want other artists to come. I know that they're out there. The Lord has shown me other artists to come. Um, I would love that. And, um, and then leaders to come along with that. Um, like I said, Rebecca, she leads dance. Like, I know her heart. We are very in sync in heart. And then um, and we have another partner, um, Leandro. Le- can't even say his name. <laughs> Leandro. Yeah, he moves in music. And it's like, I know that the Lord's going to, I'm going to have that collaboration with other artists that also wants to rise up other artists too. Because that's the thing. It's like, we want to pour into other artists. We want to fuel them so they will rise up and run. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, definitely that. Awesome. So you're looking for fathers and mothers. Oh, yes. Yes. That are we, artists. Our other heart, I guess I should have said this. And I'm, it's, I guess it's hard for me to say this. Is we, we want to start a school. Come we on. want to pour into artists so that they know their identity and that mm. they can flow with the Father because it's, it's so key. I mean, we can have amazing um, painters. And that's why I tell them, I, I mean, I do mentoring. You could be the most amazing artist there is, but if you don't have the heart of the Father, if you're not listening, if you're not in tune with him, um, it's call, actually called the heart of hearing. Mm. Um, oh, you know, see, A-R-T see is capitalized. <laughs> so it's, it's all about the heart, right? Yeah. But I'm not saying that you can't also move in wisdom. You can't also move in you know, the word and all that. But, but you have to have that conditional heart 
to be pliable and moldable, right? Yeah. And then you can run. So, um, so yeah, we, we definitely want equipped. We want to equip other artists. Yeah. That's amazing. Come on. There's so much rejection in the arts and entertainment yes. sphere. Yeah. And then they feel so. isolated and then they don't, they think that, oh, I'm not gifted, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you're on point. That's amazing. So what do you need to do? There's favor in your face, meaning that there's provision and connections that won't be unlocked until your face shows up. So what are some things that you could do to get around money, get around other artists on the level that you're looking for, and get around already developed leaders? I think that's sort of the connections that we're starting to make, too. Um, so we actually, um, Elijah Rising is a big ministry um, that already works with sex trafficking and things like that and um, women on the street. So we're connecting with them. Nice. We have a couple other ministries that we're connecting with. Um, we did a big one last year um, with Revival Survival, which we didn't even know it was televised and um, around the, basically the world. We didn't even know that. So really getting connected with other ministries, like Heart. Um, so um, we're, we're already sort of doing that. That's amazing. Uh, when was the last time you got money from somebody else? It's been a while. Okay. <laughs> okay. So do you have something developed that you could put in front of a potential investor that would make them buy into your vision? Mm, as healing center arts, no. Okay. So that's probably a key for you uh, because it's not about where is the money? It's about how have I established paths for money to get to me? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's going to be a big key for you is, is preparing a presentation, which you should knock out of the park being an artist, right? That is compelling because art compels people. Mm -hmm. Good art compels yeah. people, right? And they're going to want to invest. So that's going to be a great key for you. Uh, I feel like your acknowledgement of what God is, is doing is at an amazing level. Uh, because obviously you've already implemented self-sacrifice, investment, all that into that. Um, is, do you have people in your life that in some aspect or another of what you're building are a little further along than you that you are receiving inheritance from when it comes to wisdom, strategies, methods, systems, etc.? Um, within, like, as an artist or, like, just my whole my whole group. Uh, the whole thing. The whole thing. Um, I'd have to say definitely um, I feel like I, I gained so much from my team, um, Rebecca and Leandra, like as, as a group. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you know, Chris and Raquel, I mean, we, we, everything that, we, you know, we, even from the beginning when I jumped off the bridge, <laughs> which I need to talk about that, I had a 20-year career in the corporate world and I jumped into this, but um, I'd have to say just those connections. Okay, yeah. awesome. So there's a principle in the kingdom. And first of all, great job honoring your team just then. That was yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, so there's a principle in the kingdom that you can either earn or inherit anything. Mm -hmm. And inheriting is always better. Yeah. <laughs> it's faster, it's easier, etc. Mm -hmm. And so I love the honor that you have for your team, the camaraderie, the belief in your team. And I love that you are intentionally earning breakthroughs together but that's probably another little key is to locate, identify some people that in some way or another have already established or figured out some things and inherit from them. Yeah. And so be looking for that. Uh, you've already activated uh, what you're doing. Um, 
activating some of these ideas I'm sharing with you to be a great idea. <laughs> uh, enunciation, like the clarity with which you released that, it was like, I, that's probably your corporate background, huh? You hit me with the three-minute elevator pitch that was very concise and uh, clear. Thank you, Roger. Roger's my fave, man. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to leave him here, bro. All right. Uh, let's see. The aligning with it. Um, you're, you're already definitely uh, aligning in many areas. Hopefully, I'm bringing some clarity on some, some more places that a little shift will bring you great breakthrough. Um, what about the abandoned piece? Is that the jumping off the bridge story that you're talking about? Yeah. Um, I'll make it very brief. Um, so, for, <laughs> so for about three years, the Lord was literally conditioning me. I mean, um, we don't have to be so-called in the ministry. We, our ministry is wherever we are. So I know that, and um, that's my husband and I's heart. And so for the longest time when I was in it was retail corporate world kind of thing for me, um, I was over um, a quite large area. I had 15 stores that I oversaw. And so um, for me, it was... A, I, I know I associate a lot of that with performance. So that was a lot of God was breaking me down, breaking me down during that process. Um, but when for about three years, I knew that my heart was being pulled, my heart was being pulled. I had no idea what that was. I couldn't, I mean, looking where I'm standing now, I, could, I, I can't even believe I'm staying here. I can't even believe what I'm doing, honestly. I really thought this is the life for me. I'm going to retire in where I am. Like, this is my career. I've built up. I constantly got promoted, promoted, promoted. It was all God, every single door, every single door. There was no reason. You look at my education, everything, I shouldn't even have been there. It was total favor. But I knew the door was closing. I felt the door closing. Like, I mean, the Lord kept showing me over and over, even in dreams, too, just confirming it. So when it happened. I was like, okay, here we go. Um, so yeah, so that was me just jumping off the bridge. Um, and I feel like I'm sometimes free falling still. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was just really, you know, invest in um, healing some of the arts. We're all about inner healing too. Nice. Um, so um, I do art sozo. Um, awesome. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but um, so yeah, we're all about inner healing and equipping that way. So that was me sort of just really going, okay, God, I don't understand this fully, and I still like I'm still walking this out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just really, what's that next step? Perfect. Yeah. Uh, I'm only familiar with the heart uh, art sozo, and as much as I've seen on your page, okay, on Facebook. But okay. yeah, super cool. All right, love that. So you've already made the big leap from corporate into building. Uh, what it is that God has called you to do. The apprehension level is, you know, probably three fingers out of 10, you know, on uh, how much you've apprehended. Uh, I'm going to shift prophetically just a moment here. Um, when, you, when you think about the area of finances, uh, have you monetized any of what this does? Or is it all gifting other people? So are you, is the healing center of the arts, is it making any money? No, okay. it's not. Our heart <laughs> truly is to give, give, give. Okay. Um, 
so I guess I need to break it down a little bit for you. So, um, so like for me, I do sell art. You know, I, I'll do um, commission pieces, things like that. So I have that, which is Sozo art. I also do Art Sozo, which is like inner healing. Um, I actually went to Bethel. I was theater certified, all that. So it's Sozo, but you do it with painting. Yes. It's pretty awesome. So I do that, and then um, then we have the Healing Center of the Arts. Okay, so it's all that, so a couple of runs. So Rebecca also, she's part of this. Um, so she has flagging. She also has her own thing on this side, and then Leandra has the music. So I guess we're like three, three ministries in one mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, but yeah, we're not no money, no one coming out. It's all of us just really giving in our heart. So Okay. So no money off of any of those three things? Nope. Okay. <laughs> all good. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm pouring into all this. Yes. yes. My money. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like our workshops we've charged for. I'm sorry. Okay. We, awesome. Our workshops are char- we charge for, and actually they, they've developed their own workshops too. They're also with inner healing. So there's inner healing that we do with music inner healing yeah. that we do with dance. So yes, we charge okay. for those. Great. Sorry. Great. You're good. All right. So <laughs> Everything's free. <laughs> that's what it sounded like. I was like... <laughs> We're awesome that way. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So um, I'm sure coming from corporate, you're familiar with Flip Flippin', right? So Flip Flippin's probably most famous quote is that your greatest weakness is not a weakness at all, but rather a, a strength overextended, right? So watching that generosity thing um, and keeping it uh, in a healthy place, partnered with that God has put the power within you to create wealth. Um, and um, obviously, the fact that this piece... Uh, so let me ask you this. If someone came and gave you $100,000, how quickly would you move from a three to what number? I don't know, maybe like a six. <laughs> and how quickly would you move from a three to a six? What do you mean? So if you got $100,000 tomorrow, yeah. how quick, how much time would take uh, to move from the three to the six oh, with that funding? With that funding. I'm thinking of all what I would do with it. Yeah, um, absolutely. You should. Yeah. Um, definitely, I would, we'd love to have, you know, um, like the school, definitely investing in that, um, having a, or a place of um, even of our own. Um, so... I don't know how fast I could find a place. <laughs> yeah. How fast we could start facilitating things. Um, we're if actually you did know, what would you say? Maybe six months. I don't awesome. know. Awesome. All right. <laughs> so you're telling me how long has this been going on? It's a year. A year? Okay. Yeah, we're awesome. going into our second year, yeah. Love that. Yep. All right. So what you're telling me is that if you got this bottleneck fixed, that you could double everything that you've created in half a year. And so how many people's lives are going to be affected when, you're, when you've doubled the maximization of your impact? I couldn't count. Come on. No, seriously. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I just, um, it would blow me away, I'm sure, because that's, that's, our, that's our thing. It's like we want to impact lives. We want people to um, be free, be healthy, be whole so they can step into what they're created to be. I totally and believe you. <laughs> I'm being serious. You're so authentic. No, I'm serious. You know, and I'm, it's just amazing. Um, it's just the testimonies that we get from people doing our workshops and that they are like, um, you know, that they walk away. Um, and you see the countenance change, you know. 
Yeah. So it it would just be awesome. Come on. Really That's amazing. Awesome. All right. So um, a little piece of coaching on that bit. Uh, what I would suggest that you do is um, uh, I would I would dig into, okay, what what is going on? And you're a heart healer, right? So you can probably just walk yourself through it, right? Why why is it? <laughs> Here you go. Get it? All right. So, so what is the reason that I haven't made the move on the thing that would double the capacity of the impact of my ministry, right? So that's the first thing I would do is I would go after why of high, what is behind me not making uh, wealth a priority, okay? Um, I would equip myself with two resources. Uh, number one, I would read uh, Chris Vallotton's Poverty, Riches, and Wealth. Have you ever read that? It's fantastic. Um, I would probably make that the second resource. I would go and connect with uh, Jim Baker. That's with 1K. No relation to Tammy Faye, okay? <laughs> Jim Baker has the best kingdom revelation on kingdom wealth of anybody on the planet, and he's hilarious, all right, which is high on my value system. So he's hilarious to listen to, and he will make your mind blow up with oh, this is the purpose of money in the kingdom, and this is a healthy kingdom relationship with it. I would get those two resources. Um, I would prep the opportunity for investment, so an investor's package, which you'll probably have a lot of fun doing. Maybe not the presentation until you figure that out, but the creation of, of it, right? Because uh, I know it'll be artistic and amazing. And then the fourth thing I would do is ask, press in for a prophetic wealth-generating strategy. What is it? <laughs> this is horrible. It's a good thing there's audio accompanying this uh, wealth-generating strategy. So what is it that is already in your hand, right? Because you, that's, that's the principle of the kingdom. What's in your hand? And then what has God put in others' hands that he wants to put in your hand? But a healthy, um, a healthy presentation of that in kingship in the kingdom is that you're generating wealth and other people are seeing that and wanting to invest the wealth that they're generating. So Solomon was the wealthiest man in the world. He actually, without a new nature and without the companionship of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, manifested three parts of the kingdom on earth. So when you establish the kingdom in a place, there's righteousness, there's peace, there's joy, and there's the presence of the Holy Spirit. It says that in his reign, everyone was judged rightly. Oh, so he manifested righteousness in his reign. There was peace in all of his lands and in all of his borders. So he manifested peace. And the people rejoiced because silver was like rocks in the streets. So there was joy. The one place that he missed it was the presence of the Holy Spirit. He missed on inheriting that from David, who was a man of the presence, and he tried to fulfill his intimacy with thousands of women. And that's why his kingdom wasn't sustainable. But three out of four is pretty good, right? But he was the richest man in the world, and then what happened? An irrational thing. The other kings came and gave them his, their wealth. But he was wealthy before they gave, them, before they gave him their wealth. So that's a kingdom principle. God, what is in my hand that can generate wealth? Because the more wealth that I generate, the more wealthy people will say, she's like us. She's worthy of my investment. That makes sense? Awesome. So I really feel like the, the bottleneck or the immediate bottleneck that will give you the quickest, most powerful breakthrough is getting that kingdom mindset around wealth 
and, and stepping into these pieces, and that's really what's going to accelerate you into the next level. So. Thank you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Give her a hand. Awesome. Sweet. I got seven minutes. All right. So I wanted, to, you to, I wanted this to be practical, number one. And then secondarily, I wanted you to see it in application, right? So hopefully when you, what's up, Brian? Good to see you, bro. Um, hopefully seeing that practicality applied with what she's building gave you keys in what you're doing. And so um, I'm just going to stop right there. So come on up, man, and close this bad boy out. Thank you all. This was awesome. Come tomorrow, and uh, yeah, let's, let's do some prophetic equipping. Absolutely, man. It's good stuff, amen? Uh, feel free to clean up your minds off of the floor, please. Um, you know, we don't like brains on the floor, but uh, it's good stuff. Uh, feel free to come up afterwards and take a picture of this if you want to. Um, and man, I, I mean, I'm still trying to process. Uh, it's good stuff, amen. So uh, tomorrow's going to be pretty amazing. Um, like I said, we start at five o'clock. There's no worship or anything like that. We're it's going to be prophetic training with some activations. Uh, so we'll we'll have a piece to to activate that inside of us as we learn to hear Father a little clearer. Which actually is one of our key mantras: is that we want to learn. Uh, part of our whole purpose is to learn to hear his voice uh, so that we can know his will, so that we can change the world. That's, that's, that's who we are at core. That's what we want. So this is going to be amazing tomorrow. We'll go about 50 minutes. Uh, we'll take a 10-minute break. We'll have some giveaways in there. Um, I'll give you, tomorrow we'll do a quick example of uh, what the identity statement is, that what, what Dub teaches and takes you through. It's an amazing thing. Um, there's a, it's a $400 value that we're going to give away to someone. Um, so we got some, also some other resources that we're going to give away tomorrow. Some of the books that we, uh, that we actually read in Dub School, uh, School of Kingdom Prophets. And, um, it, you know, it's just awesome stuff. So uh, we'll have 50 minutes. We'll take a 10-minute break. And then we'll come uh, back for another, I don't know how long. I told him on the round two, it's, he can just, just whatever. We just need that 50 minutes and we'll take the break. But anyway, uh, would you all stand? Um, you can wake up your neighbor if they're nodding off. It's okay. Uh, the, other, the other thing that's so huge, uh, it's not just School of Kingdom Prophets that we really want to promote. It's also the Kingdom Reformer movement uh, because at our hearts, we're reformers here at CORE. We want to see reformation come. Uh, it's not about getting people down here at this uh, altar that we left and get them to check the box. It's all about, uh, you know, reacting to the uh, elements around us, the changing the situations around us. So uh, that's what we're all about. Amen? It's good stuff. So, Father, we just declare just your goodness is in this place, man. We thank you so much for what you're doing, for what you're about to do. We pray for ears to be open, eyes to see, and we pray for Holy Spirit that for you just to completely inundate us with more of you in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. All right, well, we got to get Dub out of here. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless you all.